All right. I am now live. Hello, everybody. Hello, is everybody out there? I hope you're all having a great day. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, do you, it's December. Do you believe it? Today is December 5th, 2019. It's Thursday, December 5th, and uh, it's 6.30 p.m., and I am broadcasting live to Sermon Audio, Facebook, and YouTube. And it's good to be back. It really is. Okay. I enjoyed my short little uh, break from podcasting. And uh, I'm glad to be back on the air again tonight. Uh, so uh, for those of you in the United States, I hope you all had a great Thanksgiving with your friends and family. Angie, Cole, and I certainly had a good one. And, uh, yeah, I just got to say I had a great time this past weekend in Ashland, Kentucky, visiting the folks once again out at 13th Street. It's always good to hear the gospel and to gather with the saints and to enjoy each other's company. Our uh, spiritual family in Christ, it's really super important to me. And if you are a believer, it will be super important to you as well. It's like a little slice of heaven, okay? Look around. These uh, believers that you're with right now on the Facebook chat, these believers that you get to meet and know both online and offline, well, they're folks you're going to be spending time with forever in the new heavens and the new earth, okay? So let's do our best to meet with them as much as possible. And that's what I'm trying to do now. I don't get to meet with them as often as I like. So I drive to Kentucky once a month, and uh, I, endure, I endure the long drive and some bad coffee. They have terrible coffee out in Kentucky. So I bought some of these uh, mocha shots because the Best Western Hotel, just they're just not, they're just not cutting it. Ah. But that's neither here nor there. That's a minor annoyance that I have to deal with. If coffee, weak coffee is what it takes to be around the brethren, then so be it. <laughs> okay, so here we are. I got another podcast for you today. Okay, and this is for you, my brothers and sisters, my spiritual family, my brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm not making this for those who will never believe. I'm not making this video for the world. I don't care about those who will never believe. This is not for them. I'm making it for you. I'm making it for God's elect. Okay? And I hope that it is God-honoring and uh, edifying to you. And that's really all I want out of these messages. Okay? And if it's not edifying to you, if it's not good for you, I, I would ask that you please let me know. I want to improve and give you good spiritual food to chew on and to eat. Okay? And to satisfy you. Okay, so that leads me to today's meal, so to speak, <laughs> today's message, okay, uh, and this message is maybe, is about maybe helping you recognize some bad food that is out there, some bad meals you can eat, food that might initially look good, but in reality is poison, okay, and the poison I'm talking about is the doctrine of preterism, okay. And I'm not just talking about regular preterism, but full preterism, okay? And if you're unfamiliar with full preterism, let me give you a brief 
introduction to it. Okay, I haven't really spoken about or written about preterism in depth for a long time. Not for a long time. I mean, I, I did a long time ago, but not really all that much. Okay, and it's not something that I really encounter all that often anymore. But about 15 years ago, it was very popular. And it may be still be popular today, but uh, I'm just not encountering it as much as my the as much as I used to because my theological circles may have narrowed to the point that I just don't see it anymore. I'm, I'm not out there in the theological world like I used to be. Okay? But it's been around, and I, I expect it to continue to be around in one form or another. It's been around for thousands of years. Okay? And uh, it seems to have uh, flourished online. Okay, finding somewhat of a resurgence recently. When I say recently, I mean in the last 20 years. Okay, but like I said, it's not new. It's been around a long time, since the time of the Apostles, even with the Gnostics. Uh, and somewhat before that with the Sadducees. Okay, so uh, what what's that uh, passage? Uh, there's nothing new under the sun. There's really nothing new under the sun. Uh, Ecclesiastes 1 9. Okay, so uh, a few messages back, I, I touched on this subject briefly uh, when discussing the importance of gospel unity and how to decide whether an issue was a primary or secondary issue. Okay, when a doctrine was worth dividing over. All right, and uh, we, the and if you haven't watched it, that apparently is my most popular uh, sermon on Sermon Audio. It's uh, Climbing the Charts, and that is the uh, the uh, the Apostles' Doctrine. Okay, And in that message I talked about primary doctrines and secondary doctrines. Okay, So let me go back into preterism here. Full preterism is also known as realized eschatology. Some people call it covenant eschatology. And by eschatology, I mean the study of the last things. Okay, The last things according to scripture, such as the end of the world as we know it. Okay, And there are all kinds of opinions out there on the last things in the theological world. And most of the, those opinions, most of those things are just wrong. All right, And they're erroneous. The... Uh, some of the errors are more grievous than others, okay? But I would say that one of the most, if not most, grievous errors is the error of hyperpreterism. And that's because it affects the primary issue, the gospel, okay? It's one of those issues to divide over. And, and why? It's because hyper or full preterism states that all things have been realized or fulfilled. Okay, there, and there is a difference between full preterism and classical preterism. Classical preterism, or partial preterism, as full preterists like to call it, claims that some of the eschatological events of Scripture have already been fulfilled. However, classical preterists believe and teach that Christ poured out destruction on Jerusalem with its destruction in the year 70 A.D., but they don't deny that uh, everything has happened, okay? So in 70 AD, Nero 
uh, and the Romans marched into the city and obliterated it, okay? And it was a terrible and rightful judgment of that city. Christ foretold of it, and Rome marched in and destroyed it. And that's where it ends. That's where partial preterism ends. That's where classical preterism ends, okay? There aren't any real soteriological implications of believing that judgment was poured out on Jerusalem in 70 AD. In fact, you can read the uh, the accounts of that. The, the historian, the Jewish historian Josephus, I wrote about it, okay? But uh, full preterism is different than classical preterism, okay? The teaching of hyperpreterism says that all, and I mean all things, everything, has been fulfilled. All the last things spoken of the Old Testament and the New Testament prophets have already been fulfilled according to hyperpreterism. Okay? And it teaches that all these things were fulfilled in the year 70 AD. Okay? They, they, they took one historical uh, happening and built a whole doctrine out of it. Okay? And they say that the entire judgment is said to have already occurred. Christ's second coming is said to have already occurred. He supposedly came in the clouds and nobody saw him. <laughs> they say the resurrection of the dead is said to have already occurred. They, they, they say that, okay? And they say it's already been fulfilled, the hyperpreterists do. Hyperpreterists say there is nothing to look forward to, that we have everything now, and that our bodies have already been resurrected. That's what they say. And I just got to say, folks, that this is wrong. Wrong, wrong. Way wrong. Okay? Very, very, very wrong. I don't know how wrong I can say that it is, but it's wrong. Okay? Some would even call it the H word. Okay? Heresy. Okay? <laughs> I'm inclined to agree. Okay. Of all the errors I've discovered regarding eschatology, whether it be post-millennialism, or pre-tribulational, premillennialism of the dispensational variety, I, I think this is one of the worst errors. And it, it may even be the worst. I don't know. But it's, it's very pernicious. It's very scary. I don't like it. But some people are attracted to it. Okay? And, and I've met a, quite a few hyperpreterists over the years. Most of the ones that I've met claim to be sovereign grace believers. All five points of the Calvinism, okay? And that's why it's deceptive, okay? At first glance, these people appear to be holding to sound theology, and they're well-grounded in the faith, all right? They have studied the scriptures for years. They're very good at using sovereign grace gospel language, and some very good literature has been written uh, by them on non-eschatological topics. Okay, They've, some good stuff's been written by hyperpreterists, stuff that I've enjoyed. In fact, I've got some of it on pristinegrace.org. I just don't tell anybody it's written by a hyperpreterist. I'm not going to tell you what it is right now or who, who wrote them. I just didn't keep that a secret for now. <laughs> okay, but if you want to know, you can come in. You can ask me and I'll tell you. However, in spite of their strong use of the scriptures or on soteriological or salvation issues, they mess everything up, okay? They mess everything up with their understanding of the last things. And I want to explain to you how they do that, all right? And it's because they undercut or destroy 
salvation. They, they destroy the gospel as it's presented in the scriptures. Okay, so we're going to get some Bible, we're going to do some Bible reading in this uh, message today. All right, so if you would, if you would with me, please open up your Bible and turn to 1 Timothy chapter 1. All right, if you're like me, you're using uh, digital software to read the scriptures, so you're not seeing any page turning. I have my notes here in front of me also. Okay, and we're going to start in verse 18. We're going to bounce around in the scriptures here for a little bit. This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck, of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. All right. Now we're going to go to 2 Timothy, starting in chapter 2, verse 15. Okay, 2 Timothy, chapter 2, verses 15. We're going to read through verse 19 here. Okay. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, but shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness, and their word will eat as doth a canker or cancer, of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus, whom concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already, and overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. And let every one that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Okay, look at how strong these words are by the Apostle Paul. Alright, the word, their word doth eat, or their message spreads, as does cancer, of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus. Concerning the truth they have erred, saying the resurrection is past already, and overthrow the faith of some. Of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme, shun vain and profane babblings, for they will increase into more ungodliness. These are, not, these are the words of Apostle Paul. You could say that after studying Paul's teaching on hyperpreterism, that it prompted Paul to say to Hymenaeus, Alexander and Philetus have been delivered over to Satan, that they are blasphemers, they incorrect, incorrectly divide the word of truth, that they are profane idlers and babblers, that they will increase in more ungodliness, and their message spreads like cancer, that they have strayed from the truth, and they overthrow the faith of others. And they do not evidence themselves to be one of Christ's people. Okay? Not my words. Not at all. Those are the words of the Apostle Paul. The chosen Apostle of Christ. Okay? Strong words. Very strong words. And he's, and he's criticizing these folks, and rightly so. You see, we are saved to a living hope. Okay? When we are saved by Christ in his earthly 
we were saved by Christ in his earthly life, death, and resurrection. We were promised with salvation from our sin as well as everlasting life with Christ in a new body. Okay, Part of our salvation is resurrection from the dead, just like Christ. Okay, We are all going to die. All right, Every last one of us. And our salvation makes that bearable for us. Okay, we can go to the grave unafraid because we know, we know we're going to be raised from the dead. Okay, turn with me to Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 15. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse 12. Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, saying how some among you that there is how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain? Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so, that, dead, that the dead rise not. For the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised? And if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain, and ye are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. Alright? If in this life only we have hope in Christ, if only we have hope in Christ, we of men are most miserable. Okay? And right here, in Paul's first letter to the church at Corinth, he wrote that a denial of the resurrection of the dead is a matter of extreme importance. Okay, he affirms that a belief in the resurrection was absolutely necessary if one was to have any hope in Christ. He further says that if there is no resurrection, then we as men and women are the most pitiable. Okay, he's emphatic about this. He says that if we were to deny the resurrection, then our faith is futile. And we of men, we of all men, are the most miserable, okay? I don't know about you. I don't know you. But I'm excited about my salvation, okay? I'm excited to know that I'm saved from my sins. I'm excited to know that God holds nothing against me, okay? And that all of my sin has been charged to Christ. I'm glad to know that this is all mine, and I didn't have to do a, a thing to earn it. I didn't have to do a thing to get it. I just, Christ did it all, and I just get it, all right? I get to, I just get to enjoy it, okay? And I'm not only excited about what Christ has done, what, what has already happened, but I'm super excited and super hopeful about what is coming my way. This is my joy, okay? Look around you. Just take a look. Everything and everyone, everybody is dying. You're dying, all right? Take a close look at your loved ones, your husband or your wife, your children, okay? Your parents, okay? Your next-door neighbors or your friends and family. Everybody you hold near and dear is about ready to die, okay? You're going to go into the ground, and you're going to be turned to dust. Your body's about to be eaten by worms, and so is everybody you hold near and dear to you. People are vanishing right before your very eyes. And it's horrific. But not for you. 
Alright? You get to go to the grave in peace. Because you know. You know that you're going to close your eyes and you're going to wake up in glory. Okay? And this body, this body of flesh, this decaying body, it's going to be renewed. Alright? So if an accident doesn't kill your body, you're probably going to die a death from cancer or heart disease or some other death. Maybe something very painful. Maybe not. Okay? But in the end, it doesn't really matter how your body dies. Okay? It's going to die. but you And you have confidence that it's going to die. But you also have a great confidence that whatever afflictions you currently suffer from or will suffer from, it's only temporary. Okay? So let's take a look at what we can look forward to. If you would, please turn with me to Philippians 3. Okay, Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 20. Okay, our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Okay? If you're a believer and you have hope in the resurrection, you have an assurance that your body is going to be resurrected from the dead like Christ. Okay? You're going to come out of that grave. You're going to come out of that ground. And you're going to walk around with a new body. And it's going to be, as Paul put it, fashioned like unto his glorious body. Or the body of his glory. Okay? Our bodies in the resurrection shall be like Christ's. And they're going to shine like the sun. Alright? Because Christ shines. Alright? You're going to live forever in that perfect body the Lord is going to give you. Alright? You've already got your body. It's just going to be transformed. And you're going to be able to walk with him and talk with him face to face. All right. Doesn't that bring joy to you? Doesn't that bring joy? It does to me. Okay. Can you rejoice with me? I I'm looking forward to speaking to Christ face to face, thanking him face to face for my salvation, all of my life for, you know, for and my body that I that I that I have now and that I will have. All right. I'm looking forward to that. I can't wait. But if you're a hyperpreterist, where, where's your hope? Okay? Where, where is it? If you believe the resurrection has already occurred, then what does the future hold for you? You know, you're, according to preterists, they got the same body. They The resurrection has already occurred and they got a, quote, spirit body. All right? I don't know what that means. <laughs> Do you believe... That salvation in Christ is only the salvation of your soul and not your whole body? <laughs> Do you believe that Christ is coming again? Do you believe that this world of death and destruction is going to continue on forever? <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, I, I've talked to a lot of preterists about this, and they seem to affirm that. It's crazy. I don't, I don't get it, okay? And I don't know how all of you might feel about this, okay? But to me, this is an essential part of the gospel. What, you know, and Paul said that, okay? What joy is there in thinking that this resurrection has already occurred? 
and we have no new body to look forward to. What are you going to do? Float around like uh, ghosts after we die? Are going to look like Casper the Friendly Ghost floating around out there? You know, what joy is there in that? I, that doesn't sound good to me. Okay? Just be this vapor vision. I don't know what they mean. <laughs> I don't get it. All right? But, you know, to be fair to the hyper-preterists, the full preterists, they usually have a lot of scriptural proofs lined up to explain what it is that they believe. All right? And I'm not going to get into that with them in today's message. I, uh, I've gone through it before. Now, they're pretty good at debating on their topic. They, there have been quite a few debates between futurists and preterists in the past, and you might find them on Sermon Audio or somewhere, but I don't feel like there really needs to be a debate. I don't believe there needs to be one. Paul basically stated in the passages I read to you that our bodies would be fashioned like Christ's, all right? And currently, our bodies are not, okay? I, there's still sickness. Our bodies are dying. Yeah. That means the resurrection hasn't already occurred. And uh, so that, me, that means the uh, preterists, really, in my opinion, are making the same mistake as Hymenaeus and Philetus. All right? And I've known a few people over the years. I've known, a, I've had friends, Okay. They continue to make this awful mistake. And I've had friends embrace this position of preterism, this full preterism, even after I struggled with them over it. All right, So it kind of hits home for me. And I hate to see that happen. I, I hate to see people fall into this trap. A lot of preterists have fallen into the trap and, and thankfully come out of it. But, you know, I, I, can't, I can't embrace a full preterist as a brother or a sister. It's not... Not because I don't want to, it's just I just can't. You know, it's too great an error for me. It's, you know, especially when we have the Apostle Paul's words that I, that I quoted today that directly oppose it. And one of them, a guy named uh, Mike, I really enjoyed talking to once. He said to me when trying to convince me of his position, he said, uh, Brandon, if we're wrong, if we, we preterists are wrong, we're merely saying Christ has completed something that he hasn't, meaning it's kind of harmless, don't you think? And I said to him, you know, no, no, it's more than that. It's changing the very nature of what God said he would do, okay? He said we'd be raised from the dead physically, okay? We aren't just raised from the dead spiritually, but we are to be raised from the dead physically, and the preterists deny this, okay? They believe that, you know, we just float around like, you know, Casper. <laughs> okay, that we're not given a, a body like our Lord Jesus has, okay? And we are going to be raised from the dead with the same body that we have now, okay? And our body is part of our identity, okay? It's part of what makes me, me. It's part of what makes you, you. All right, and I get to keep this body forever, and I'll never get tired, I'll never get sick or hurt again after I'm resurrected, okay? And the same is true for you, too. All right, think about it. Have you ever thought about it for very long? I know we got some sick brethren out there, some people with afflictions. I'm sure they're, they're probably looking forward to having their body renewed, all right? And it's going to be a very exciting day when that happens. <laughs> I, I can't wait. 
it's, it's something I'm really looking forward to. Okay, and you know, Paul Paul said our our, our bodies were going to be like Christ. So let's go, let's take a look at what Christ's body was like after he was resurrected from the dead. Okay, let's go to uh, Luke chapter twenty four. Luke chapter twenty four, and I'm going to read a little bit here, starting in verse thirty six through the end of the chapter. Okay, and I love this passage. I really do, because it gives us a glimpse of what we're going to get. All right. Yeah, it's great to know the story of Jesus and his resurrection and what that meant for our salvation. But this is a little glimpse of heaven for us. This is a little glimpse of our future. All right. And I when when you when when you hear this, when you read it, take great joy in it. Okay. Starting in verse 36. And as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them, and he saith unto them, Peace be unto you. But they were terrified and affrighted, and supposed that they had seen a spirit, a ghost. <laughs> and he said unto them, Why are you troubled? And why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold, my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me, and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones, as you see me have. All right? And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they yet believed not for joy and wondered, he said unto them, Have ye here any meat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and of a honeycomb. And he took it and he, and he did eat before them. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you, while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which are written in the law of Moses, and in the prophets, and in the Psalms concerning me. And then opened he their understanding, and they might understand the scriptures, that they might understand the scriptures, and said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it, is, it, it behooved Christ to suffer, and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, and ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass, while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they were, were continuing the temple, praising and blessing God. Amen. Wow. <laughs> Can you imagine being there and seeing that? Well, you're going to get to see Christ face to face one day. You're going to get to see him. You're going to get to see those same hands, those same, those same feet, that, that, those same flesh and bones that he showed to his disciples. Okay. This is more than just a lovely Bible story of our Lord, okay? This is our salvation. And notice something here. He appeared before his disciples, and he asked, Why are you troubled? And he says, Look at my hands and my feet. I'm not a ghost. I'm not a spirit. I'm flesh and bone. I'm flesh and bones, okay? And then he ate some broiled fish and some honeycomb. You know, I imagine it was quite tasty, okay? Because he's a physical, it's a physical body. That's Jesus Christ 
our Lord, our Savior, and a physical body before them. The same, and Paul says our, our bodies are going to be transformed into something like his, okay? This is what we get forever. We get we get a body that we get to eat fish and honeycomb too, or we can, all right? But that's not the point, okay? He walked with them and talked with them, and they didn't even recognize him. His body was incorruptible, and it was raised from the dead. Okay? Our, our bodies will be raised from the dead, and they will be incorruptible too. Okay? And unable to sin, and unable to be sick, and unable to die. Okay? Christ can't die again. He's done dying. He's He's been he's done doing all that, and so will we. Alright? We will have eternal and everlasting life in a body. Okay? The same body we have now, just better. Okay? We're not our bodies are going to be transformed. And isn't that exciting to you? I I'm ecstatic about it. I am just thrilled. I can't wait. Yet the preterists deny all this. They just flat out deny it. How miserable for them. Okay. Regarding our salvation, you know, there is a already fulfilled, there are already fulfilled aspects of our salvation and not yet fulfilled aspects of our salvation. We've already received the salvation of our souls and with joy we can look to Christ and rest in his imputed righteousness, his work and his life, death and resurrection, as it is a sure thing, okay? We have been saved. We have been redeemed, okay? But we are also still being saved. We are in heavenly places in Christ from God's perspective. We have been glorified in God's perspective. But we still have yet to experience our physical resurrection and glorification, okay? We still have yet to experience heaven and a new earth without evil. Okay? A new renewed earth. I can't I can't wait. I can't wait to see it. Alright. And it, it's something I know you're probably looking forward to too. Okay? And if you share that hope with me, that's the same hope. Don't allow hyperpreterism to rob you of this joy. Okay, this hope that we have for the future, because that's really what it comes down. It's not an academic exercise. It's not a theological debate, because it it is it's a terrible error. The same error as Hymenaeus and Philetus. Okay, so that's about all I have on that today. I. Uh, I've had many conversations with preterists over the years. I've hashed through all the details with them. I've dealt with every objection a preterist might have. I I don't think I need to go over them again with them. I maybe you do. I don't know. If you're interested in those uh, discussions, I they're actually I have them written down. They're on Pristine Grace Forum. They go back to around, some of them go back to around 2002 or 2003. A lot of the preterists moved into the forum and defended their position 
in a respectful manner. Uh, I reasoned with them, investigated the issue thoroughly, and I rejected it, okay? And I rejected today as a historicist, as an amillennialist. That's what I am today, okay? I'm settled in my eschatology. And my eschatology is a result of my soteriology. Okay, it's a continuation of reading the uh, scriptures through the lens of Christ and his gospel. Okay, but even if you're not settled on your, on your, your eschatology, if you're not settled on the end things, you know, if you're still investigating and still studying, just let this message be a warning to you. Watch out for preterism. Okay, it can ensnare and rob you of a joy, of a truth that is not champion enough in today's gospel preaching, in my opinion. Okay, I don't hear this enough. I don't hear about our future hope. I don't hear about our future resurrection all that often, and that's too bad. But it is our future hope, and it's our joy of knowing we will be resurrected from the dead. All right? And I'm, I can't wait. All right? I hope you share that same joy with me tonight. All right? So thanks for listening. Okay? And... Uh, Lord willing, this message will be of benefit to somebody out there. All right. So until next week, gospel blessings to you. All right. Good night.